Sarah's story shows us that it does not matter who we are or what we have done in the past, but through faith, God can produce changes in us that will increase our kingdom impact as business owners. Welcome to the God is my CEO show. I'm your host, Gail Chalky. I am an entrepreneur, teacher, prayer warrior, and founder of the Impact Makers Journey Mastermind. I am passionate about helping Christian entrepreneurs transform their businesses through the power of God's mighty word. So tell me, are you intrigued by the thought of operating your business with the Lord at the center? Great, then you are in the perfect place. On this podcast, you'll learn why you need to focus on kingdom impact and how you can take those first simple steps towards making God your CEO. Get ready to hear stories from the Bible and interviews from modern Christian entrepreneurs for practical application in your business. This is a podcast to empower Christian entrepreneurs to rise up and magnify business success for God's glory. Are you ready to join the movement? Let's go. Hi, friends. Let's start today talking about Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby is a massive craft store with approximately 970 locations and an estimated 7.9 billion in sales. David Green, the founder of Hobby Lobby, had some pretty heavy baggage of his own to deal with when he decided to go into retail as a career. Well, why was that? Well, his parents were both pastors and they wanted all of their six children to be either pastors, pastor spouses, or missionaries. David admits that there was a period of time in his life when he thought he was the outcast of the family because God did not call him into the ministry of being a pastor. However, over the years, he learned that God can and will use anyone, anywhere he's called them to be. So how did David Green end up in retail anyhow? Well, in high school, David took a course in distributive education, which was the theory of retail business put into action. It was a very practical method of learning about business. So by the time David finished this course, at the young age of 16, he knew what he wanted to do. He wanted to be a retailer. After working in retail himself for a bit, he met his future wife, Barbara. In 1970, the married couple, who then had children of their own, went out on a limb of faith and borrowed $600 from the bank to start manufacturing some little frames in their garage. And that's where it all began. David recounts that Barbara worked for no pay at all for the first five years, and his two sons, then aged seven and nine, happily glued those frames together for seven cents apiece. So you know the rest of the big picture story, right? He applied biblical principles and used Christian mindsets throughout his career, 
and the business became highly successful with an amazing story of faith and courage behind it. David has written multiple books about the Hobby Lobby story. I have put links to his books for you in the show notes. But we are not here today to talk about the details of the growth of Hobby Lobby. We are here today to learn about faith and trusting in the Lord as a business owner. No matter where you are in your faith walk today, you always have that ability to increase your faith as a business owner, and God will use you to fulfill his plan. So let me say that again. He has placed you in this place and in this time as a business owner to fulfill a purpose as part of his plan for you. So are you ready? Settle down, relax, and let's dive right into the book of Genesis, chapters 11 through 21, to study the story of Sarah. Sarah starts out with little faith due to her life circumstances, but as she grows in her faith, the Lord blesses her beyond what she could ever imagine. Let's start with a summary of her story. Sarah was born as Sarai and lived in a village in what is known today as Iraq. It was located on the Euphrates River, not far upstream from where the Euphrates and Tigris rivers join. Sarai was married to Abram, whom we know now as Abraham. We will talk about these name changes in a bit. Abraham was the oldest of three sons of a man named Terah. Genesis 11. After one of Terah's sons died, he took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, and together they set out to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there instead. But the Lord had other plans in store for Abram. In chapter 12, the Lord says to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him to, and Lot also went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and they set out for the land of Canaan and then arrived there. Now, there is a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Sarai obeyed him, 
and was taken into Pharaoh's palace as part of his harem. In response, the Lord inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household. When Pharaoh found out that Abram was actually Sarai's husband, he released them both to leave the town. Genesis 13. Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. Abram and Lot eventually parted ways. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north and the south, to the east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. Genesis 15, the Lord establishes a covenant with Abram. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? You have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall all your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Genesis 16, Sarai schemes a plot because she blames the Lord for her infertility. She gets anxious and frustrated and gives up on waiting. She tells Abram that she wants Hagar, her maidservant, to give her a child instead. Well, that plan doesn't didn't work out so well. Yes, Hagar, her servant, became pregnant, but the two women no longer got along and they fought bitterly. Hagar actually runs away and leaves their household, but the Lord meets her and tells her to go back and she does bear Abram a son, Ishmael. So what's going on here? Well, we know that Sarah truly believed in God, but she did not exercise her faith at this point in regard to his promise of a son. You see, it is possible to trust God in regard to eternal salvation, but not to trust him in regard to the particular problem you're dealing with at the time. Sound familiar? I know it does to me. Okay, moving on, Genesis 17. 
Now, the Lord again makes a covenant with Abram. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. So if we go down further in Genesis 17, we see that God is also going to change Sarai's name. So God also says to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. Genesis 18, the Lord again appeared to Abraham. Abraham was by his tent and he looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. They were actually the Lord and two angels in human form. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get some of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife will have a son. Now, 
Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was way past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I am old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh, but he said, yes, you did laugh. So what's going on here? Well, Sarah struggled with unbelief because her eyes were fixed on Abraham and on herself. Abraham was nearly 100 years old and Sarah was just 10 years behind him. So this promise of God seemed impossible. Sarah struggled with unbelief, and more than that, she tried to cover it up before the Lord, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. Well, afraid of what? Perhaps she was afraid of what was going on in her heart. She talked to God, but she knew that her prayer was just a pretense, and God knew her cover-up. Remember, he sees all things. Sarah does indeed receive the power to conceive because in the end, she considered the Lord faithful who had promised. Sarah's faith was restored through this encounter with God. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. So what really happened here? Well, God is rewarding Abraham for being a faithful and obedient servant of the Lord. He trusts him. Let's move on to Genesis 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave this child the name Isaac. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age? So what really happened here? Well, Sarah, wife to Abraham, mother to Isaac, beautiful model of faith to us, needed the grace of God in her fractured life, just as you and I need it in our lives too. And by faith, even Sarah 
who is past childbearing age was enabled to bear children because she considered the Lord faithful, the one who had made this promise. So let's summarize Sarah's journey here. Sarah was a beautiful woman who initially lived her life lacking faith in God's promises and ability to do what he said he would. Her impatience resulted in poor decisions that hurt those around her. However, as her faith grew, she became a great woman of faith that God used to fulfill his plan. Sarah's story shows us that it does not matter who we are or what we have done in the past, but through faith, God can produce changes in us that will increase our kingdom impact as business owners. I know from personal experience that being a business owner can be one of the most challenging experiences of your life. It is sometimes extremely difficult to keep the faith when things are not going according to your plans. How can you become even stronger and more faithful during these times? Well, let's go back to that phrase that I mentioned earlier. The Lord has placed you in this place and in this time as a business owner to fulfill a purpose as part of his plan for you. How can you restore that faith? It starts by remembering who God is and then listening to what he says. Your faith will begin to grow as you stop focusing on the problems, limitations, and failures in your business and shift your focus onto the fact that with the Lord, nothing is impossible. What a beautiful example we explored today with Sarah giving birth to Isaac in her old age. Everything that God has for you in your role as a business owner will be accomplished. Yes, there will be roadblocks, disappointments, and failures along the way, but the Lord's purposes for you will be fulfilled in his time. So I would like to share 10 truths with you that will help you keep the faith as a business owner. So you might want to jot down these truths, plus I'm going to give you a verse that goes with each one. All right, number one, God always keeps his promises. And write down Luke 1, verse 45. And this part of Luke emphasizes Mary's faith in everything that God said to her. Number two, with God, nothing is impossible. Jesus looked at them and said in Matthew 19, verse 26, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So simple and yet so powerful. Number three, God's timing is different than ours, but always perfect. Psalm 27 verse 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So I don't know about you, but waiting does take courage. It can be very tough as a business owner. Number four, patience can be a virtue. James 1 verses 3 and 4 says, For you know when your faith is tested, 
your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Okay, number five. All of us make mistakes, but God forgives and doesn't hold it against us. So write down Psalm 103, verse 12, and it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Number six, God's delays are not denials. So if we read Lamentations chapter three, verses 25 through 26, there's this promise. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Okay, it's not always easy to follow God, number seven, but it is always worth it. So if you write down John chapter 10, verse 27, you can read, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Number eight, prayer is our hotline to our CEO. Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven, remind us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The next one, number nine, faith will always see us through. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, there is the reminder and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And finally, number 10, God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. And that is so hard for us to do. But if you look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses five and six, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. So which of these truths do you struggle with the most? Or which one are you struggling with right now in your business? Go through and circle them. Then take that truth that you circled, whether it's one or five, and lift them up to the Lord in prayer. Ask him for the strength to cast away your doubts and fears. Thank him for revealing this truth to you, for reminding you of his truth and his promises. Now, I also recommend, again, whether it's one or five of these that's striking you right now, Write this truth, this promise down somewhere that will be visible to you, perhaps on a sticky note, a reminder on your phone, whatever works for you. What do you think believing this truth or promise will change or open up for you? What fears will this cast away? Perhaps you have missed a deadline. Are you worried about the feasibility of a new plan? unable to shake past mistakes you have made in your business? 
Or are you thinking that the road you are on is simply impossible? If you continue to struggle with these thoughts, I recommend that you spend some time with a business believer. Look for confirmation of your thoughts and ideas. Be open to the new things the Lord may share with you as you pray. So I am so excited for you. This could be a turning point needed in your faith walk and in your business right now. May you have a blessed week. If you are excited to grow your kingdom impact, your first step is to take the free online impact assessment tool I created just for you. This quick and easy tool provides you with a base measurement to identify the specific areas you need to focus on in your unique business. Plus, it has some great tips and resources to get you started. The link to the free impact assessment tool can be found in the show notes. Congratulations on taking the first step in this exciting journey.